Welcome to the Licensing Podcast, where we take what may seem like the extremely boring and try to make it a little less boring. Each episode is geared towards a story to help provide you with some of the background of where these topics come from, why they work the way they work, and what you can do about it on your test. We're going to provide a lot of realism. Unfortunately, you can only provide so much fun. Welcome for today's session, which is going to focus mainly on company capitalization. You see, the text focuses on all of the direct concepts and vocabulary words that you need to know. So in the stock section, you're learning things like voting rights, preferred stock, transfer agents, and all of those responsibilities. And then it rolls immediately into the bond section, where it covers a lot of the same ground from a slightly different angle. So in the bond section, you're learning things like credit ratings, maturity dates, interest rates, and coupon yields. But at that point, a lot of students take one step back and think to themselves, wait a minute, this is all just about raising money. Doesn't a company make money by selling their product? And I think that's where the confusion comes in. So the point of this podcast session is to help you explain that particular question. It's true that a company makes money by selling their product, but that's an end result. When you go to the store to buy your favorite electronic product or clothing, I'm going to use pants mainly because I think that's a kind of a funny word. So when you go to the store to buy pants, you don't tend to think about how the company got the pants in the first place. You just view it from I give money, I get pants, everybody's happy. Capitalization is the realization that the store needed to get those pants from somewhere, which means they needed the materials to make the pants which means they needed money to buy the materials to turn them into pants. That's how we get back to the original beginning. So we're going to break it up into two. What is stock capitalization and what is bond capitalization? I think for the stock capitalization story, we actually have a really good historical one at our fingertips. Let's talk about Apple. Apple is a company that's pretty trendy right now and that most people know at least a little bit about the founder and a little bit of the history. I'm just going to flesh that out for us. Steve Jobs and company were interested in making personal computer devices. And in the 70s, they registered a company called Apple just to do that. But at the time, making circuit boards and motherboards and housing cases for computers was an extremely expensive thing that Steve didn't have. So when they registered the company, they needed to raise money to create their first computer. Steve chose the stock route. He literally sold ownership of his own company. He brought more and more people into the company from an ownership standpoint. He would go to an investor and say, you give me millions of dollars and I'll give you a 10% ownership in the company. Now at the time that sounds like a good deal because you get the million dollars to make the computer, to go out and sell it, to make more money. The problem with that is as you've read in the material, those shares come with voting rights. That investor now has 10% of the say in how the company is running. As long as Steve holds on to 50 or 51% of his voting shares, then I guess it doesn't matter because Steve can always outvote the other guy. But he didn't. He kept selling and selling and selling. And in most of the times, this is how it goes. Very few CEOs of their companies actually ever end up owning 51% of their shares. They're usually somewhere around the 10 to 30% space given on the industry. And that's what happened to Steve. In the 1980s, we see that Steve has less than 51% of the shares. The board of directors has a meeting to decide how Apple is doing. And they decide that Apple's not doing very well. And it's all Steve's fault. And so the board of directors, with their voting power that comes with the stock shares, fired the guy who actually founded the company. 
Now you're thinking to yourself, wait a minute, Steve Jobs actually came back. How did that happen? Well, you see, Steve went out and founded another company, made it successful. And in the mid 90s, uh, 96, 97, something like that, he sold his company to Apple. And when he did that, he didn't ask for cash. He mainly asked, I mean, he asked for cash and some other things, but he mainly asked for stock options. And he was so valuable, the company that he sold to Apple, that when he got the stock of Apple stock in the merger, he ended up having the majority position again. And his first couple of acts was to get himself voted back on the board and get himself voted back into being CEO, which is clearly a lot easier when you control the majority of the votes. So selling stock is selling ownership is running a real risk of having yourself being voted out of your own company. Which should explain why the book spends so much time talking about transfer agents, proxy card, and voting rights. It's because that's where the true power can sometimes be perceived as being in the stock space. When we turn over to the bond space, let's shift the example to a made-up one. So I've decided to open my new company. I'm going to do what Steve did. I'm going to start in my garage, and I'm going to start building widgets. Well, I need money to build those prototype widgets. But I learned that if I go the Steve route... I could potentially lose control of my company, which does not sound nice at all. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go out to my investors, and instead of giving them ownership of my company, I'm going to simply ask them for a loan. I'm just going to say, hey, give me $500. Give me $1,000. And I'm going to hold on to that. I'm going to invest it in my company. I'm going to grow my company with it. And at some future date, I'll give you all your money back, plus a little bit more, almost as if I was going to pay you rent on the money that you loaned to me. And that's exactly what a bond is. So when we talk about bonds, we start talking about creditors and lenders. We talk about interest rates and all these things that don't deal with ownership and have some kind of time value associated with them. Because I wanted to avoid the risk of giving you the ability to take my company from me. But in order to convince you to give me money, I had to give up something else to make it appealing to you in the first place. And that's why you'll see all that focus in the bond world around what are interest rates doing, what's the lock-in coupon rate, because that's how you get the value out of giving me the money. And conversely, that's why you care so much about bankruptcy. Back in the stock example, if you were an owner, bankruptcy was your own personal problem. And if you went bankrupt, you were losing your own assets. Whereas when we shift to the bond world, Credit risk becomes such a bigger factor because as the bond holder, you're now the one who's really freaking out about the bankruptcy because if I have a company go bankrupt, you can't get the assets back. You don't own what I just ran into the ground. You, what you really just lost was the payment stream I was providing you. So to summarize, stocks and bonds talk about different topics and content because mainly it's, it's in the background around capitalization. What are the pros and cons of raising the money to run your company? In the stock world, you're going to get money and you're going to give up some power. In the bond world, you're going to give money, but you're going to give up some kind of creditor position. And that's why you'll see the questions and the vocab words focus on the topics that they do.